Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Soju Chronicles. I am Nat. And I'm Nikki. And we're here to talk all things anime, dramas, mangas, books, and all the in-between. Um, and we're going to start with what we're drinking. So what are you drinking? I am drinking um, Pink Whitney, which is basically, it's like a pink lemonade vodka. That's hard. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm drinking. No, that's literally, like, I'm not, I'm not drinking it with anything. I'm just drinking it on ice because it tastes like juice. <laughs> oh, fair enough. It's, what are as you long drinking? As, it, as long as it doesn't taste like Mike's hard lemonade, I feel like you're okay. Uh, oh no, but... it doesn't taste like Mike's hard lemonade. Well, my friend says when she taste when she drank it, she was like, "This does not taste like juice. It tastes like vodka. You can taste the vodka." I'm like, "No, bitch, you can't. I don't know what you're talking about. It literally tastes like it tastes like lemonade to me." <laughs> well, maybe your palate has just gotten used to the taste of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i am drinking waterloo pineapple radler and this is um it says shake up the ordinary with our sweet and refreshing waterloo pineapple radler just one sip of this mix of craft lager in real pineapple juice and you'll know you're golden uh the cup is pretty like, it's really, really pretty, which is what called me to it. Like, it's very springy, a lot of pineapples. Uh, you guys will see a picture later. Um, it tastes okay. I mean, it's only 2.5%, so it literally tastes like pineapple juice. That is, like... Okay, I was, gonna, I was wondering, so what is, what's supposed, like, what is it? Like, what's it supposed to be? Like, is it a cider? Yeah, uh, I think it's like a pineapple cider. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Uh, I had... Yeah? I had gotten, um... This I saw it on I was did I tell you wait what what were we drinking last time we recorded water that's what we water. drank last time we, we were recorded, drinking right? water <laughs> okay wait why were we drinking water uh because um I didn't have any alcohol and I couldn't go out because I was I self isolating and you had drank too much the day before huh I mean sounds like me but I just it think does. it was fun. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, I think oh, you know crazy. what? I think yeah. that I had I so I think I had bought I bought like these new this new like tequila um margarita that I saw. I bought mm-hmm. it to like drink for us when we were doing it and I think I may have drank it the night before or something. Honestly, who knows? Who cares? Not me. Um I was just curious cuz I just wanted to tell you about this margarita that I had that um TikTok made me get and Listen, that shit was so strong. It was so strong. And apparently they have a bunch of other flavors. So that would be fun. Tequila? Um, huh? So No, not just tequila. Like they have my friend sent me a picture. Let me just look at it real quick. Like she like she because I had told her about it. I was like, oh, they have like the tequila is like 13%. It's just one can. One can is 13%. That's how much you get in like a bottle of wine. You know, and yeah. what? No, I mean, that's that's a lie. <laughs> was like, oh, it was, yeah, one can was thirteen percent, and then so she sent me um a picture, and she was like, "Oh, look, they have a bunch of other stuff." So they have like a Moscow Mule, and 
um Mai Tai, like that brand, it's called Cutwater. They have Moscow Mules and Mai Tai and Peach Margaritas. And so I want to try them all. <laughs> like a Pokemon. Gotta catch it. <laughs> you know what? I'll see if we have it here. We can try the same one. And then we could like rate it. Okay. Sponsorship. And then maybe I was gonna say maybe sign <laughs> Okay. So fair warning, I've only had pho today yeah. and I am drinking this vodka. So I make uh, no promises about how this recording is gonna go. Well, I was responsible and I had my vegetables and some protein and i had a little bit of pasta so i am but i've also been very tired like i was napping before we did this so yeah but you you're, you're also drinking something that is two percent you're right you're i right. am literally drinking straight up vodka <laughs> you're right you're right and you're drinking and it tastes like juice to you so you're probably gonna drink a lot anyway <laughs> even though it is thursday we still have to work. Right? Like, not me ask, acting like I don't got work tomorrow. <laughs> but anyways, let's get into it. And fair warning, everybody. I feel like every week we have a fair warning about the fact that we just suck at things. And the things <laughs> that we suck at specifically are reading and watching things for this podcast. Like, we always hop <laughs> on the mic confident <laughs> that we're going to be better people next time. But we are just not. I, mean, I was I, pretty close. I was pretty yeah. close. I would say I achieved everything that I set out for for this episode minus the anime. Okay? I got the anime. I got the drama. I just didn't do, I didn't read the Fushigi Yugi um, just because I totally forgot until like today <laughs> we're deciding what we're going to record. And then I was like, so I can read these three chapters or I can take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. Take so, a nap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I didn't read any books, but um, I have been re You were supposed to finish room. faking it. Oh no, I did finish faking it. Oh, so I have a book to talk about. Yay. Okay. See, right. boop. There you go. <laughs> Oh, yeah, better so for than me, <laughs> like for me, I, I, I did my homework, okay? I put in the work, take it or leave it. <laughs> but I, I, I read a porn law and I obviously finished my show and I read two books. I mean, okay, I read one book and a little novella. So I did, I did do it. And I was, I was, I was definitely going to have an anime if I had remembered that I had a doctor's appointment today, which I didn't, I didn't remember. And that's why I didn't get to finish watching the anime, but you watched the anime that I was going to watch. Yes. And I, I watched like an episode and a half. So yeah. you can, we can discuss what I've seen so far. And then yeah, you can just talk about it in general. Because honestly, as I was watching it, I was like, well, I don't know if I, this is even really something that I really want to watch anyways. It so, absolutely is not. What do you want to start with? Quite <laughs> it absolutely is not. So, okay, we'll start with, <coughs> sorry, um, Yasuke or Yasuke, however you want to pronounce it, okay? Um, so Yasuke is like a big deal because it is a black anime, basically. Um, it, the lead character is, is black and 
you can tell that a lot of people behind the scenes were also black by the music that they selected and the choices. Yeah, that they it made was it was wise. produced by Lakeith, right? It was because yes. like Lakeith Stanfield, he's the main character, the uh, Yasuke, and um, he helped produce it as well. I believe. Oh, okay, that makes sense because the voice is really familiar, but I was like. I can't really You're like, place you, you cheeks. <laughs> she, when she, we talked about it before we started recording, guys. Like, you know, today yeah. in our hectic lives, we were talking about it. And she goes, she goes, this is like a Donald Glover Atlanta type situation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So, Yasuke is created by LaShawn Thomas, who is a black man. He's a, um, oh, I know this guy. He's a, he's a comic book artist, but he also does like animation and directing, producing, writing, character design, stuff like that. He did um, The Legend of Korra, Black Dynamite. He's worked on Boondocks um, as well. So yeah, I mean, I don't know him for any of these other things though. Oh, he also worked on Kim Possible. Good for him. Uh, but anyways, so he actually relocated his shows to like South Korea. So he's, he's like Asian based maybe now working out there. Uh, oh, and okay. he, um, he and he's crowdfunded other sort of anime animation stuff as well too. Um, oh, Mappa did the animation for Yasuke. That makes sense. They did Yuri on Ice in the final season of Attack on Titan as well. But the style is oh. very similar. I'm not surprised. Okay, so Yasuke is actually based on a real person. Uh, so he was a an African man who served as a bodyguard and retainer under the Japanese daimyo, Lord Oda Nobu, Nobunaga, and he arrived in Japan on 25th of July in 1579 in the service of Italian Jesuit and Christian missionaries um, in for the West Indies, I guess. So he was born in Mozambique, and like there's a lot of history about him. So like this is a real dude who existed in in, in time. And the anime, um, I mean, obviously it's more of a fictional retelling on it because it has to do with like sci-fi and stuff like that. But the, the synopsis, according to Wikipedia, hopefully it's not spoilery. No spoilers! <laughs> so in an alternate reality, 16th century feudal Japan reimagined with magic and advanced technology. African man named Yasuke uh, went from being in the service of Jesuit uh, missionaries during the Nanban trade and the Namban trade is basically like when Portugal, I think, and um, shoot, I can't remember the other country. Um, basically, that was like the first sort of contact with Europeans at the time. And then, um, but the Japanese afterwards were like, mm, we don't like these white devils. And so they like basically like tightened security and like murdered all the people who converted to like Christianity. And then they were like, yeah, we're we're just not going to talk to the outside world after this. Um, so it so during that time, um, to being he, let's see. So he went, he became a warrior and retainer in the service of Lord Oda Nabunaga. In the year fifteen eighty two, he witnessed the fall of Nabunaga's forces in a battle against the army of the Dark General, who serves the de demonic warlord Yami no Damyo. When no Nobugan. Nobunaga's death <laughs> and the defeat of his forces, Yami, Yami no Daimyo, uh, assumes complete control of the land. So 20 years later, Yasuke tries to the historic past as a legendary ronin known as the Black Samurai behind him and retires as a recluse boatman named Yasdan at a remote village. 
He encounters a local a singer at a local bar named Uchika and later agrees to take her and her daughter, Saki, a sick girl with mysterious magical powers, north to see a special doctor to help with Saki's condition. After an attack by mercenaries who are after Uchika and Saki, Yasuke is tasked with protecting Saki while coming to terms with his past, dealing with would-be conquerors of Japan and facing dark supernatural elements as Yasuke and Saki find themselves in the middle of a struggle um, against the, the Dark Lord forces. Uh, so basically, it's only six episodes. Each episode's 30 minutes. The animation is gorgeous. It is quite gruesome. Yes, it is. Like, like there's a lot of slicing people up and shit. So, I mean, if you're squick, if, if you're really quick to be like, ooh, squicky, um, you're probably not going to like it. Squeamish. <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of the actual story, I thought the story was really basic. Uh, I thought it felt like a male blurred wet dream. I think I've, I've mentioned this either on Twitter or to you. It was like this black dude who had this like save, like, you know, who was honorable and like a savior of, of these basically white looking people because i mean I, I mean you know there's a lot of discussion in japan about anime and the fact that okay, everybody I was... white. <laughs> even okay, though there's supposed to be japanese yeah <laughs> honestly yeah. as i like granted like i said i didn't watch all of it right but yeah. as i was watching like the first like episode and stuff i was just like it's interesting because he was the only like dark person <laughs> like yeah. there was like everyone I know, um, and even that, like, person that came to look for her with that very, like, thick Ukrainian-type accent, and I was like, oh, okay. I know, like, I know it's supposed to be, like, he's a black samurai, but, like, deadass, no other, like, a little tan, like, Well, there was the, there was the, um, the mercenary who, um, Ahuja, who was an African tribal shaman, he was black. Well, I, yeah, there was I no black just woman. didn't see him. I didn't see him no, yet. If you he... watch the first episode, you've seen him. Oh, maybe I was ignoring him then. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing, right? It did come across as, like, this, this like, somebody who grew up watching, like, Dragon Ball and, like, you know, um, whatever Bruce Lee movies there are, you know, and imagine themselves in the starring role with, and but just didn't change a single <laughs> other thing. Like, that's what this felt like. It, it, it reminded me this of, This is like, gonna that, be the episode that gets, well, when we get famous and people go back to listen <laughs> to our stuff, this is gonna be the episode that gets you cancelled by all the fanboys, just so you know. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Like they don't want to date me anyway, so why should I even like <laughs> what like not like I don't care. Okay, you're weird. Anybody who like grows up thinking like that is weird. It it was like it literally felt like a white woman savior felt like story. And I mean Saki is cute, you know, she's powerful, she did her thing, but that's basically what it read like. It read like, um, oh, they're racist towards me because I'm black, but I'm going to prove them wrong by being honorable and always doing the right thing. And and then living in Japan for the rest of my life and never really, like, the only thing about him that was black was his skin, you know? like. Yeah. And then it was really weird that it had all this, like, sort of, like, hip-hop-ish music yeah. like, around it. And I was like, I mean, if you're going to go the anime route, get a Japanese song like Japanese rock Japanese hip-hop like like what is this supposed to be you know like what exactly is this supposed to be because like Boondocks was very much routed and rooted in like 
blackness, you know, and parody yeah. black culture. Maybe they could have got they, they could have gotten some Vava. Like, yo, she would have like wait, no, Vava is Chinese fuck. Sorry, my bad. They could have gotten some Crystal K, okay? Some Crystal K. She is black uh, and she's Japanese. So they could have got some of her. They could have gotten Riri. They could have gotten Riri. Riri. She would have yeah. cut it up. Yeah, it just felt like, as I said, like it felt like a very American show. Like that was okay. this black man's fantasy about being a Ronin in Japan and and being surrounded by, you know, quote unquote the superior race or whatever. Like that's what it felt like. It was very weird watching it. Like as I said, because I know, like I know the Japanese people feel that the anime that they or the mangas and stuff that they create represent them, but it really doesn't. Like, especially when you see how they they portray Chinese people in anime. Like, why do Chinese people have slanted eyes and you guys have big-ass eyes? That don't make no sense. Because you guys both have the same type of eye shape. So I'm confused. So so when I was watching this, it kind of took me out of it. I was like, I know that this character is supposed to be Japanese, but everybody looks white. So this is just like a white savior film. Like, I was so confused. Like, I I couldn't wrap my brain around it. I was kind of bored because I said the story was basic as F. Like, duh. We get it. She's a, she's 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 a special that special you know person that has to be protected. But she's also powerful. She has you know like it's like Frodo you know in Lord of the Rings you know they have to protect yeah. Frodo. But Frodo really had to do what he needed to do to get to the end. And I mean even though Sam really saved the day, let's be real. Um, Frodo played his part as well too. So it's like that's what this whole thing felt like. And um, yeah. I mean, the villains, the mercenaries decided to work on their side. And it was just like, mm. I'm kind of just like, I was not impressed because it didn't do anything different. It was just very pretty, but also kind of gruesome. So that kind of also wasn't really working in its favor. I feel like, like, here's the thing. Women, like female blurs, I have a feeling they would create something so much more different and organic and just fun and funky and just cool i feel like we our imaginations are so so much better than like what I, we usually end up getting for, for for male blurs and i'm not even like trying to shade them but it's it's like the whole black superman thing like nobody asks for it nobody wants it like nobody needs the, these things you know like we don't need oh like, my god the story of like a black samurai like it's cool and it's i think if they had rooted this maybe more so in reality than the the fantasy element that they went with i think would have been so much more cooler because i think a black samurai in the 1500s is a freaking amazing story that they could have told you know like not this basic ass like lord of the rings you know sailor moon shit like i i didn't really need it nobody really needed it and nobody really asked for it it was basic it wasn't bad by any account so i would give it like a 6.5 maybe a 7 but it was like it just wasn't interesting it wasn't something that i personally would like rally behind you know be like oh this is so cool it, it just <laughs> and also the black superman thing they can keep too but yeah so <laughs> oh my gosh well i was going to say the whole uh black superman thing that reminds me of spider-man right and miles morales which reminds me of this really funny tweet that i saw that i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> 
You and all your favorite tweets. I know, but like, oh, it was so funny though. Hold on, let me roll it up. So it was basically like people, you know, that like meme that's like, oh, what's the worst thing you've seen on Twitter? Or, like the funniest deleted tweet or something like, like some shit like that, right? Is what the tweet is. And someone is just like, hold on, scroll, where is it? Oh, here it is. So someone, <laughs> the, the tweet was like, this one's definitely up there. So it was a quoted tweet, right? Where it looks like they were arguing about like Spider-Man and Power Rangers. So the tweet that was quoted said, there's a reason Power Rangers are no longer relevant. And so then the person quotes it and goes, because they killed all their ops. Has Spider-Man even got the Don that licked down his uncle? How you got superpowers, but your uncle got touched? I'm a normal human, and all my uncles are fine. <laughs> I spent way too long laughing at that tweet. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I can, um, I mean, granted, like, I didn't finish it, as I said, but I, that was definitely the vibe that I got when I started it, was just that it did seem, I, when you said that it felt like Atlanta, mm -hmm. that's what it felt like, like, that's really what it does feel like, it feels like Atlanta, which is sad, because, like, I did see the trailer beforehand, and it looked so interesting, I was like, oh, I'd be down to watch this. Because um, my friend had asked me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'd be down to watch it. But granted that she didn't follow up back means that she also felt the same way about it. <laughs> I just but. think that there's, like, a very – I don't know. I just feel like there's a very big divide in a lot of ways and things that we, like, female blurs and male blurs want out of anime and mangas and things like that. And it's not even, like, a, you know, shonen versus – shoujo kind of thing like it's not even like that it's like more so like story-wise women just tend to prefer storytelling and men are like it don't have to make sense if it looks cool i mean it, i mean like like as i said that's not even shade it just that is what it feels like and that's why you have a lot of like like i noticed when i talk to women about stories the conversations are a little bit more enlightening versus like some of the conversations I see about men. Like if you follow any of the big like anime male content like stuff, which I try not to do because no thanks. Um, <laughs> they but they literally like it's like honestly half of them all they do is post photos of big breasted anime characters. You know like that's all they do. They don't want to engage with the material as much as women tend to do. And like mm -hmm. as I said. Okay, I don't really know every single one, but, like, men are more likely to be like, that's dope, it looks cool, it's cool, you know, like, I like the fight scenes, and women are like, you know, I like, you know, what this character said at this moment, you know, and how the emotion showed, and things like that, so I feel that, like, I feel, I honestly do feel like this was made for men in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. and that's why, because as I said, the story itself was basic so basic so 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 basic <laughs> and it's it's like okay you have a basic story so what do you do to make it different make it unique make it not just every single other hero's journey that you studied about in english class you know in high school like 
that's kind of where I was like trying to that's sort of of something I was trying to figure out when I was watching it I'm like everything that's happening right now I could have told you was gonna happen three episodes ago and there's only six episodes of the show so I'm like I and and I feel like when I said Atlanta I was like I bet you if I was high this would probably be like a really good show to watch you know Um, but I don't that's what I'll partake yeah I don't partake in (laughs) weed and wheat based materials so i don't know like maybe me- I'll, oh my gosh maybe i'll eat an edible and watch it i'm just kidding but maybe i will actually but speaking of stories that weren't really anything the porn law that i read um kind of is the same <laughs> like i honestly don't really know what the point was but I mean it was fine so it's it's called alumni and it is by I don't know who wrote it (laughs) oh well but oh it's by storm no it's by red p and it's by storm and it's an adult drama mature romance right and it's completed so I read all 40 chapters and the summary is a chubby girl back from elementary school is now a gorgeous lady she has a perfect career and a perfect boyfriend but why does she feel a little empty so you know with something like that you kind of assume oh you know maybe this is going to be about like her finding out finding herself again and realizing that even though she's hot now you know something along those lines right Mm -hmm. i don't know I don't think it was anything like that, honestly. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was like okay, you know. Like, it wasn't like super great, but it was also like decent enough that I enjoyed it to some extent. Okay. So, Eunice, she was like super fat when she was young and ugly, and like literally looked like a nematode. Like, she was like the ugliest shit you ever seen in her life. And you see, you, like, the story starts with her in present day, right? And um while she's like a designer a company that her dad owns and <clears throat> and it's the, like the chapter starts with like her doing something and then someone was like oh wait you're Eunice from like I forget what her elementary school is we're just gonna we're winging it guys so they were like oh you're Eunice from like Park Mong middle school and she was like yeah, I am. He was like, what? Like, And then this guy, his name is Derek. He's a fucking pervert. Like, disgusting. Hate him so much. Trashiest. One of the trashiest characters ever in a porn law. Um, But basically, he was like, oh, wow. She looks so good now. Like, her breasts are so big. Like, she has a nice shape. What happened? Must have been all the surgery. But I'm going to try to hit that. And so then he was he invites her to, like, their, fam- like their um, school reunion. And... He, um, so she's like, okay, but, like, I'm gonna bring Jace with me, and then Jace is, like, her best friend from, like, back when they were younger, and he was always the one that would defend her against the bullies and stuff, so that was, like, her best friend, so it's, this is basically a best friend to lovers romance, and so she so she's like she goes and she meets up with Jace, and then you, you find out more about Jace's entire situation, which is that, like, he was young and popular when he was when he was younger. He was popular, right? Because he was handsome, taking care of himself. Because his family they were like well off, and then like something happened, and his family ended up 
like losing their money and then her family was the one that kind of helped them out because like their parents are best friends and so it was like kind of like the opposite effect right so when they go and then her boyfriend that she's dating looks pretty much exactly like Jace does when he was younger like the guy that she's dating now which is Mike Mike's her boyfriend and so then uh they go to like the what's it called they go to reunion they go to the reunion and all the guys are literally like trying to they're like oh my god she's so hot she's the bomb blah 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 and then they're like oh jace he was hot in high school is he is he still hot now or elementary school or whatever and obviously he was not so the girls were not interested in him and then you know whatever a bunch of like not really much happened just like little shenanigans where where he get like jace gets a little drunk because like he can't hold his liquor and then she like takes care of him and then leaves leaves to go fuck her boyfriend and then that time Derek is like I can't believe Jace let her slip through his arms like that like look how fine she is why would he not like fuck her I'm gonna fuck her that's my mission in life we're gonna fuck each other and I will like basically that was like that's the hill and he's dying on it like he wants (laughs) to get between them cakes like like that was Derek's (laughs) <laughs> that was Derek's entire personality and so then um Eunice was like she's like in a place where she's like I need Jace to be like better like because like you know he's a little bit like depressed and shit and so um she likes asked Mike to set him up with someone so then Mike sets him up with Tamsin which is his secretary and Mike's like oh yeah it's good if I set him up because if I set him up then that's less competition for me to be yeah. with Eunice because like I'm not comfortable with Eunice having a male best friend. And so then um the same time, like he one of his friends, like so Jace is like a um webtoon artist, right? But not really like he but he doesn't get he didn't get the chance to actually like he he was like a undiscovered webtoon artist, right? So like he ended up having to take a real job as at like her place because like for a while she was he was doing freelance work and so he ended up getting a job at her place like her father hired him and then everyone all of the people were like oh look at this nepotism hire and I'm like honestly I feel like we give nepotism too much of a bad rep like (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) what I'm just saying like so anyway so like he gets the job and that and they're like you didn't work for it and he comes to blah 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 whatever so he his one of his friends who's like a webtoon artist was like oh I know what to do like how to get you to um I'm gonna get you like a job as a webtoonist and so then he introduces him to this person Deb and then Deb is like an older lady and she is a predator because she literally fucks like all her clients and so she was like Jace you're a virgin I'm gonna fuck you and so she fucks him and Meanwhile, Jace is, like, going on dates with Tamsin, and Tamsin's like, ooh, I want Jace's dick right now. And then Mike's like, why? Or, listen, you've only been on three dates with him. Why do you want to fuck him? That's so immoral. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're fucking Eunice, like, all the time. Like, let her throw her pussy where she wants to throw it. Like, you're so rude. You're so annoying. And so then, as he's spending more time with Girlie... Um, as, uh, what's his name? Fuck, why have I already forgotten? Jace. Jace. As Jace is spending, (laughs) as Jace Jace is spending more time with Tanzin, 
Eunice is getting a little bit jealous because she's like, who's this woman? Where is she from? Why is she doing this? And at the same time, Jason's a little bit jealous of Mike too. Like, you know, Mike gets to spend time with Eunice, blah, blah, blah. And so then Derek invites Eunice out for like to celebrate the end of the project that they were doing together. He invites her out to a restaurant and he pays for lunch and blah, blah, blah place for dinner and then she gets up to go to the bathroom and of course this motherfucker fucking drugs her he literally puts dr- like puts roof- like, roofies her is there like a bingo for porn wives <laughs> oh my god i listen pour something into the drink listen i was like i i was thinking the same thing when i was doing it i was like we need i need to like do a bingo of some sort but anyways so fucking he like you know drugs her drags her to the motel so then he's like oh she's passed out still yes let me you know start he he like tries to you know rape her and but she wakes up right before he could get anything going, right? Like, after he, like, strips her clothes, she wakes up and he was like, oh, shit, I should have put more in it. And I'm like, oh, you're so gross. And so then she's like, what? What is happening? Like, leave me. I want to leave. And he was like, no, you're not leaving. So then at the same time, she's, like, thinking, she's like, yeah, he's not going to let me leave. Like, it's this is going to end up with me being raped either way, right? Is what she was basically saying. And so then I was like, Yikes. but girl, still try to fight with him. And so then she, like, she pretty much plays him, though. So she was like, oh, you know what? Why don't you shower first? And then I'll shower after. And then we can, like, have sex. And I won't, we won't, I won't tell Mike. So then he bring, like, the hotel room, though, or the motel room. It's not one of those, like, motel rooms where you, um, like, you know, you, the when the door is closed when you're showering. It's like a glass shower so you can see the person. So he saw her. So he so he's he's like, I can see you. So she's like, shit, I can't make a run for it. Luckily for her, her her um phone was not like with her in her purse. Her phone was like in the her jean jacket. And so she reached and grabbed her phone and called Jace. And so then she ran in when she went into the bathroom, she locked the door and like tied it. And so then he was like banging on the door, and then Jace comes out, and they start fighting. And you know, Jace saves her basically. And so then she was like, Jace, I can always count on Jace, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of nothing happens, you know, just exploit like little sex shenanigans, yada, yada. And then eventually, I guess Eunice comes to the decision around chapter like 48 that she's in love with Jace. And so. <laughs> Yes. Or chapter 38. I kid you not. I literally fucking kid you not. Like nothing really happens except like Jay's fucking cheating on his girlfriend with Deb because Deb's like, you know, I still want to fuck you or whatever. And then his Jace's that da- um father dies from cancer, right? And then everyone's like, and Jace kind of falls into like a spiral at that point, and that's when he was doing all his little cheating stupidity. And Eunice is like, I need to help him, like, blah, blah, blah. And I guess that's when she realized that she loved him. And so then she breaks, like, she pretty much lays the pipe on Mike. Like, she gives Mike the best fuck of his life in chapter 38. <laughs> and then breaks up with him in chapter 39. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. I thought it was so funny. Because, like, I was like, I was like, because, like, 
the chapter before she was like yeah I, oh my god I, I love Jason I need to be there for him blah 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 and then she literally goes and give like the next chapter she's like fucking Mike and I was like wait I'm so confused but it's because she was like I must give him this I'll give him everything he wants until and this is my goodbye gift to him or whatever and then she breaks up with him in the next chapter and then they get together in the final episode the end okay <laughs> well i did pull up the anime and while you were like going over it, i did go through some chapters from i literally just read like chapter one two and then 38 39 and 40 um i mean i feel like i didn't miss anything in the middle mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm telling you fun. i'm telling you i'm telling but you also like- too i was like mm, is this gonna damage my phone if I keep this open, because you know the sites that you get that on are a little sketchy, um, so that's why I didn't go through more of it. But oh, it was uh, you should I, use tune. You do you use tune illy t o o n i l y dot com? That's what I use. Mm. See, I just googled it, so uh, I just got. I use that the first. I use tunely. I so when I'm on my phone, I use tunely. Um, because I have a VPN on my phone. And then when I'm on my laptop, which I also have a VPN on, I use manual scan. Those are the sites. See, but yeah, on my computer, I even... have, like, ad block. So it doesn't, doesn't really yeah. matter what I use. It doesn't really affect it. But on my Yeah, that's why I use manual scan. So. Yeah, that's why I use manual scan on the computer. But, yeah, that's really it. Nothing really happened. Like, I, like nothing happens. But, you know, I read a porn law. So I did yeah. my work. Okay. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Yes. Woo! Drama's Yay. time. Well, I mean, is there any like anime, mangas, anything like that that you are, you know, wanting to maybe start or that you've heard about or anything like that going forward? Um, Have you tried out Demon Slayer yet? Because it is still on Netflix right now. So you know what's funny? Yeah. I I'm gonna watch the movie with my friend um on Saturday. Like they wanted to, he wanted to watch it. So, but you haven't, you haven't watched the show, so you don't. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, all right. I mean, it, it's like super basic. I don't think that you'll like with Tanjiro and Nico and like all these other people, like it's fine. I mean, I still like, I honestly do not understand the love for Demon Slayer because the movie made like so much money. Like, I think it was like number one and number two in the American box office or something like that when it came out and I like or either the American box office or the world I can't remember but like I just don't understand it because I watched the first 25 26 episodes that are on Netflix I watched it actually before it came to Netflix and I was mm-hmm. like this is the most like it's beautiful it's like beautiful gowns beautiful gowns but it was such a boring <laughs> story I didn't give a shit about Tanger. I didn't care about anybody okay like I'll be very honest with you and so I was really surprised at how huge Demon Slayer because like I know that like My Hero Academia was like really big for a while, but I feel like Demon Slayer has outpaced it for sure. And it's I think especially with the way Attack on Titan has ended, a lot of people are kind of just like moving from it and I don't see it as being as big as it was. Um, so Demon Slayer is like the biggest, hottest thing right now. And I just don't understand it. I just, I felt like maybe, maybe I will continue. I'll like start the next season, whenever that is. And I'll have like, maybe more um maybe i'll get it 
you know as the story progresses but like the first arc was like so our first two arcs i guess um because it's him becoming a demon slayer and then him actually being a demon slayer and looking for the guy who like turned his sister into a demon um Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe i'll get it maybe something will click and i'll be like oh this is really cool and it makes sense and you know all that kind of stuff but i i don't know i honestly like oh actually i do have something to talk about i finished stardust crusader (laughs) from jojo's bizarre adventures i did finish that as well uh because i think i was halfway into it when we recorded last time so oh yes i I didn't even notice i thought you were like actually done no no no. i finished like the first arc which was them getting to egypt so that they could um fight that weird looking dude um what's his name let me look it up but uh deal yeah to fight deal uh so basically uh when i went back to it it was like when they were actually in egypt and they had another like you know soldier like you know like you fight a different soldier you know and as you beat one they get stronger in power and you continue and there were like video game fights there were betting fights there are a lot of things going on a lot of people died a lot more people actually on the team died than i expected so when we got to the end i was like oh crap like (laughs) they're just murdering everybody (laughs) i mean the (laughs) dog died the dog died like it was crazy uh so basically they they get to egypt and dio has his like servants who are all like egyptian goddesses like those are their code names so they fight each of them um at different levels and of course the black dude gets it i mean i don't even know if that dude was black but he's he was the closest to black so he died again (laughs) like he he died in egypt but he wasn't really dead he was just hiding out so now he actually died died and then the dog died and then that's Kakua, I think his name was, died. So um, only the French dude. And um, the final battle was kind of really boring. It was really weird and like anticlimactic. I mean, I think the more interesting part was like that his grandpa, Jojo, um, not Joseph. And this is Josuke. I can't remember which one his name, Jonathan. Jonathan, is it Jonathan or Joseph? It's one of those Joe Starks he like got murdered by Dio and desiccated because Dio like sucked his blood and yet they were able to use Dio's blood to bring him back to life it was not realistic and I'm saying this like you know keep in mind that everything that happened is not realistic but that was even (laughs) like less realistic than I was expecting (laughs) but I did have a good time watching it I mean it was a bit more gruesome too than I would have liked. I need to get into some girly stuff, man. I just, all of this, like, people getting stabbed and chopped up and tortured. Like, when I get into Vincenzo, like, basically, I've just been watching all this really violent stuff. And, like, I am not meaning to watch violent stuff. They just happen to be violent. And I'm already watching them, so I'm like, I'm gonna finish. Uh, But JoJo's Stardust Crusader, I think I would give it a 7 out of 10. I okay. did think the first series, the one with his great 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 grandfather, either three greats or four greats, I can't remember. Um that one was like the OG, the first se- season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I still think that was the best. 
Um, the one with his grandfather was all right. I think it's better than this one, actually, to be quite honest. Uh, when they dealt with like Carmen powers and, and stuff like that. But I will continue the JoJo adventure. Apparently the next one is with his daughter. So she's going to be the first female JoJo. So that's really cool. And I'm really interested. And apparently like all her, her crew are women too. So that's going to be kind of interesting to get into. And yeah, I will let you guys know. But yes, let's get into dramas. Mm. Yeah. So you finished Vincenzo. I did. And I actually live tweeted it as well on Soju. So don't say I don't do things. Uh <laughs> I did not I've never said that in my life. So I'm just saying, you know, if it ever comes up, I do things. I, I work hard, okay people? Alright, so Vincenzo. <laughs> Yes, Vincenzo. So I'm going to read the synopsis again. Uh, you're not going to read, watch it anyway, so it doesn't really matter if I spoil it. It does not so, matter to me whatsoever. According to the spoilery uh, synops synopsis on Wikipedia, uh, the story of an Italian mafia lawyer who came to Korea due to the betrayal of the organization wiping out the villain in a villain's way with another lawyer. At the age of eight, Park Joo-hyung went to Italy after being adopted by an Italian family. He later joins the mafia where he's subsequently adopted by Don Fabio, head of the Cassano mafia family. Park Joo-hyun was renamed Vincenzo Cassano and became an Italian lawyer, a, a consigliere, I think that's how you pronounce it. They kept calling it corn salad in the drama uh, for the mafia and Don Fabio's right-hand man. After Fabio dies, Paolo, uh, Fabio's biological son and the new leader of the Cassano family, attempts to kill Vincenzo. Vincenzo flees to South Korea and sets out to recover 1.5 tons of gold that he helped a Chinese tycoon secretly stash within the basement of Gumga Plaza. However, a real estate company under Babel Group has illegally taken ownership of the building and Vincenzo must use his skills to reclaim the building and recover his fortunes. Vincenzo becomes involved with the lawyer, Hong Cha Young, and the type of attorney who would do anything to win a case. Okay, so this drama, you know, was everywhere, as Nikki can recall. And it, the first two episodes were kind of like, there's a lot going on, okay? Not all of it really good. I think it was more like, let's just throw as much shit as we can into these last two episodes, into these first two episodes so we can draw people in and then we'll get to the real story. And so when I got to episode three, that was when I was like, oh, okay, so this drama is actually really interesting and it's good and it's doing something different. Uh, to talk about Song Joon Ki, without was a bit too skinny in this drama, personally, uh, as Vincenzo Cassano. I thought he was fabulous. He was so, so good at like being scary and intimidating but also really really funny like his comedic moments and scenes were really what stood out and like literally had me laughing out loud which doesn't actually happen very often um even though i write lol and i use a laughing emoji on twitter all the time it doesn't happen in real life like that guys i'm sorry uh so he goes in to Seoul to get this this gold in this building the building is full of all these like colorful characters as we mentioned last week they were really annoying at the beginning, but I think by the end of the drama, I was kind of like, okay, they're much more interesting than I thought. Uh, 
but I will be honest, like midway through the drama, I started skipping the group scenes, like with the residents of Gum Gum um, Plaza, because I just didn't care. Uh, but they were like, like the whole found family thing is like really something that I love, as you know, in fiction. And I thought that this was like a really well portrayed found family and like, it became like they became their own mafia family basically at the end, right? So I really like that element. And um, in terms of John Yo Bean, she was really good. She was like, she's very cool actually. Like, I mean, obviously she's gorgeous, but she's also like just a really interesting character. I do think that they didn't really. I think they tri- they kind of wanted her to be a bit of more on like a moral high ground in comparison to Vincenzo. And I think that's kind of where they lost me a little bit because she worked, you know, for Wu Sang, which was um, law firm, which is what represented Babel Group. And she was totally fine with everything that they did. Like she didn't care that they were literally like murdering people. It wasn't until they murdered her dad that she was all like, I have to fight these people and, you know, you know, well, yeah, but that's like, and things like that. But that's like, that's like a lot of, that's just like, um, art mirroring life, right? Yeah, people absolutely. People don't care about absolutely. anything then, unless it affects them personally. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, th- I, that was realistic, but I think that the, the drama should have done a better job of like, making that obvious because there was like a scene where she was like, basically like, oh, you know, you haven't murdered anybody right and he was like no (laughs) and i was just like bitch why do you even care if you murder people you worked for a company that murdered people and paid them Mm -hmm. off and like was completely like immoral like why does it matter if this man has killed people like at this point your your hands are not as steeped in blood as his obviously because he's straight up murdered people but you are definitely a part you definitely have some blood on your hands at this point so like I don't understand what your problem is and so that's the only thing I didn't like about her character and it wasn't really about her anything that the actress did uh it was more so about the writing and then I mean take Yun okay so I really did like him as (laughs) Jen Jinwoo like I loved him I thought he was so funny and cute and he was like really like you know into the Nuna, but when he turned on the Jan Hun Suk, okay, sir, <laughs> sir. I mean, if you follow our Twitter, you know. <laughs> I would still <laughs> be ride or die for that dude. Okay, I don't care. Like he murdered kids. Okay, I was like, you know, R.I.P. Rest in bees. But also, I mean. He is so fine, and he was so hot in this drama. Like, oh my god! And we got the fan service that we deserved. So, you know, uh, I was taken. And I mean, I know he's been acting for a really long time, but he really impressed me in this drama. He was like a total piece of shit, like irredeemable. Uh, and I really like felt that he did a good job of portraying that character. Um, especially at the end when he was like not so much confined by, you know, the perfect CEO uh, image. And he was just free to do whatever the hell he wanted. I thought he did a really fantastic job. And then uh, Cho Munkee, who was played by Kim Yo Jin, like was 
holy crap. Like, you don't know anything in the beginning. At the beginning, you think, like, she's just, like, this attorney who's a prosecutor who does a lot of Zumba. She's, like, really cool and, like, you know, you kind of, I kind of thought, like, like, hers was the most shocking story of them all. Because I thought that she was going to be, like, like, she was just doing these bad things so that she could, like, take down the bad guys. But she is, like, the supreme bad guy. She literally had no qualms about murdering anybody, okay? She was just as bad as um, Hansook. The only difference is that she didn't do anything herself. She had people do it for her. And she hired a lot of, like, murderers that she got off in prison to, like, murder other people. Like, she's the one, like, there's a scene in the, near the end of the drama where, like, um, they, like, basically she hires somebody to murder um, Vincenzo's biological mother, his Korean mother. And, like, let me tell you, this woman is, like, dying of cancer, living in this this hospital, getting treatment. And he, like, she literally had no qualms about having some dude go there and murder her while she's, in like, in the hospital. It was insane. Um, I think she did a really fantastic job of portraying that character, though. And I thought that, like, her her discussions with Sun Kyuk, who was the CEO of the, the law firm, Usang Law Firm, and their dynamic was really interesting because they were both as dirty as each other, but he played it off as like this goofy, I want to survive, I'll do anything to survive, but I don't really want to do any real bad things. I just kind of, I don't mind doing like little bad things here or there, but like big bad things, ugh. you know, he played like the more comedic, like um, not as great, like not as black and white more as a gray but spineless kind of character and she was like the hard line she's like listen we're both dirty so we might as well just go all in you know like just accept it you know and so I thought like the characters were very interesting and obviously it was rounded out with um Han So who is the younger half brother of Han Suk Taekyung's character and he's played by Kwak Dong Yeon and he is like this lovable goofball at the beginning, you know, he's just playing a part. He's like a puppet. And he slowly, he's the only character in this who gets a redemption arc. And that gets a believable redemption arc at that. And I loved Henso by the end and they murdered him. Henso killed his brother. And he, but he basically sacrificed himself to save the two leads. So, and like at the end, the last like, his last moment with Vincenzo, like, it's so sad, because he basically, Vincenzo allowed him to call him older brother, so they, like, had, like, this really brother, like, almost brotherly kind of relationship, as much as Vincenzo could have, right, and he's, like, you know, at the end, he's, like, I, you know, I don't want to die, but, like, doing it to save another person, like, I feel, like, really good about that, and I'm happy that I'm at this place. And I was like, so sad. I was like, I'm so, why did you die? Uh, but anyways, the drama itself, I would give it an eight. I really did think that it was different, but it kept a lot of the Korean elements that we expect from dramas. You know, like the sort of ridiculousness, over the topness, the random like the fact that it can be super serious but also comedic in some parts um the only thing that i was kind of confused about was like is there really a romance in this drama because i think they like 
I think the writers were also very confused about that. Like, they didn't know if they <laughs> wanted to do something with Vincenzo and Chaeyoung. And then they kind of did it at the end, and it was kind of sloppy and weird and not really... I don't know. It was, it was like, I feel like with the execution of the romance, they should have probably, ju- like, being what it was, they should have probably just not included it. They should have just kept it, like, Queen of Mystery, you know, like a buddy mm-hmm. sort of cop kind of thing. Um, and then continued with that in the next season. There were a lot of twists and a lot of turns, a lot of, like, hidden connections everything kind of got rounded out everybody knew everybody by the end because there was all these secret connections and whatever that came out um in terms of like the story and the plot it was always very interesting like I never really felt bored watching it which I mean for 20 episode drama is saying something um I I had moments where I was like not as interested like with as I said like with the residents and the tenants maybe like mid ish in the drama but in terms of like the main story like with Vincenzo finding the gold Vincenzo defeating Babel or Babel uh, like those those things were never boring ever like it was really interesting it kind of reminded me of like leverage in some ways um, with with like the whole idea of like you know it takes cons to beat cons you know and so I like that and it Taken was fine I mean, I have to reiterate that and stress it because I feel like people who like attractive men should probably watch this drama. Because <laughs> Chaeyoung has the gold in like the bed frame and she in her bunker, like on her dad's property. And so she was sleeping on it. But it's like, what are they doing with the gold? Like, are you not giving it to the residents? At least a gold bar because they risk their lives basically to help you. Um, and like... I don't understand what that means. And apparently I saw something about there being maybe like a season two, which doesn't kind of feel like it works unless he comes back. Cause he can't even come back to Korea because he is wanted for the murder of Hee and Hansuk. He did murder them both at the end and it was gruesome. Like, like he tortured Myung-si's feet and then he poured oil all over, or gas or whatever all over her and set her on fire and then he used a Russian mob torture device on Hansuk um, and the bird god there's a bird god in this I believe um, basically ate the man afterwards so it was like there was a lot going on and it was not gr- it was not pretty and I did see a lot of Koreans who were kind of just like ooh this is, might be too much uh, <laughs> but yeah it was very I would say those are the only negative real elements of it. I liked it. I gave it an eight. I don't know if I would watch it again, but I did enjoy the the characters. I enjoyed the synergy synergy between everybody in the cast. I thought everybody worked really well together and they, they actually seemed like they liked working with each other. Uh, I would, I think the only thing disappointing for me is there was like the romance, I think, as I said, was like a bit confusing. Like, there was no real romance. Like, they had, like, little, little, like, I would say, like, maybe in the whole entire drama, before the real kiss in the last episode, they had, like, a fake kiss, and then they had a moment where she's like, hmm, do I like this guy or not? Let me see. And she kind of, like, got close to him. Like, it, there wasn't really any hints or indications that they were anything really but partners. Uh, 
and then they kind of like shoehorned like a kind of romance at the end like this you know we love each other but we can't be together because you are not allowed to be here in korea and this is where i live this is where i work and it was kind of just not believable honestly it was actually much more believable that han sook loved her than that her and vincenzo were like meant to be together <laughs> like it was very strange uh it was funny so... i actually have seen people shipping her and han sook <laughs> honestly i could get behind that like if i had to pick one i could definitely get behind it because even i questioned it like i was like there was no reason like there was a part in the drama where i was like okay so she knows she knows who you are and what you've done like there's no reason for you to still be stuck in that um that role you know like where you're you know her inferior or and you're trying to you know spend time with her you know like it was right even like near the end of the drama he was like faking things so that they could go out to eat dinner together and stuff like that you know like it was very strange and so he showed more interest in her than she showed in Ka and Vincenzo so I mean say like yeah there's that and so yeah I enjoyed it like I was greatly surprised at how much I enjoyed watching Vincenzo and how like I you know I felt a whole range of emotions while I was watching it and the acting was fantastic um maybe he was channeling his divorce in this because this is his first thing since he got divorced right from the song song couple i mean i don't think so i think he was filming what's it what's its face during the divorce as well um what's well, this it is his first drama though no arth no arth are the heart of the chronicles or whatever is isn't that doesn't that have like three seasons or something I have no idea what I've never seen this guy in anything. I'll be very honest with you. <laughs> like oh, I know I... he's like I've never watched I because I never watched the um Descendants of the Sun, right? Uh yeah. so I've just yeah, never I, seen I've him. I've seen him I I've seen him in everything but the his most recent project. So I've not seen him in Dots nor the Ardon Arthadal Chronicles or whatever that fucking Arthadal Chronicles. Oh yeah, okay. the yeah, shit no, that Jisoo was in for like 30 seconds and then everyone was like that's what got her the rolling snowdrop and i'm like the bitch didn't even say anything anyways yikes <laughs> but yes uh that's my feelings on vincenzo so let us okay. know about Rattan because you did finish this right yeah i did oh my god the alcohol is like <laughs> making me so oh, tired lord. oh lord <laughs> Oh, we're like more than halfway into this, so like, let's go. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay, so, uh, Latan. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, let's focus, Nikki. Okay, <clears throat> Latan. <laughs> this is really bad. Wow, what is happening to me? Well, okay. So, Latan, uh, for people who don't remember, I talked about it last week, and I'm too lazy to read the description. Long story short, alien, human, human wakes up alien by dying. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right, I'm for real now, for real now, for real now, for real, for real. Yes. For real. 
Okay, red tag. Okay, guys. So just as a uh, refresher summary, many years ago, the plant alien hybrid Sitan was hunted down by shaman hunter. Chased across Shanghai, Sitan fled for her life, but escaping the, relent the relentless hunter proved impossible. In an act of cruel cruelty, the hunter killed Sitan and buried her remains at the base of a great cliff. There she would have remained for all of eternity had fate not chosen to intervene. Resurrected by the unwitting actions of a young architect by the name of Shifan, Sitan finds herself in a strange new world. Confused by the fragmented memories in her head, Sitan insists Shifan help her regain her memories, while at the same time helping her understand life in this modern age. Despite their rocky start, Shifan eventually agrees to Sitan's demands. With Shifan by her side, Sitan learns what it means to live and love, but the fragmented memories of her past continue to torment her. Determined to understand the mysteries of her past, Sitan and Shifan continue to search for answers. Their quests join them even closer. But how long will their happiness last when a demon of the past refuses to die? So, I finished it, watched all 30 episodes, including the alternative ending, and I loved it. I really, really loved this drama. I enjoyed it so much. I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of the remarks seem to be that uh, they, it's either that it was too boring for them to get into, was um, yeah. some of the remarks, or that it didn't live up to what they liked in the beginning or that like it wasn't much romance for them or like stuff like that. But like for me personally, I just felt like everything was good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like to me, it was good. Like I really enjoyed it. And I'm not blinded by the fact that it's Jang. Like I'm not blinded by that because I've watched fucking like, shit ass i've watched freaking i will never let you go which is not a good drama Be even though i enjoyed it it was still not a good drama from a story-wise telling perspective this one i thought that they did a really good job there were a little plot holes here and there but like like i said in my review that i posted on unease like these plot holes weren't like plot holes that like these type of plot holes were like if you accidentally ordered a small fry when you wanted a medium fry you know okay. it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't like if you put salt in space of sugar in your coffee you know yeah it wasn't yeah. it wasn't okay. that so like I like because like there were little things that like you know I was just like oh wait but what 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 was the reason like why like for example um by Jane which is like was a member of the clan one of the clan that was trying to get rid of Shitang. like he had powers but he never like really he never told anyone that he had powers and then i didn't understand like his real his purpose in the story because like he didn't really do anything at any point in time like literally <laughs> this man did nothing the only thing he did was get abused by buying and then um at the end told when he was like the end of the story like he was basically saying this is the end of the story and then um the the, the kids were like no we want a happy ending and he was like okay fine <sighs> i guess i can give you a happy ending and so then he starts telling like another version of the story or whatever and i actually just found out this morning that that guy the person who plays that character is the director yeah. of the show oh 
Right? Cool. I was like, <laughs> what? I was mind blown. I was like, what? But anyways, so like there were just like little small things that I just, that I was like, oh, this, you know, it was just like, oh, this is not, okay, I don't really understand, but whatever. But at the end of the day, it like everything in general was pretty well done, I thought at least. Um, so like, I think the last time I spoke, we I told you like, you know, the, the girl, like his friend had died and all that stuff, but like they just go through so much. And I think like um, at the core of it for what it seemed to be was it was more so like it was definitely Satan's story, right? So it was her story. Like she was essentially she was robbed of a childhood. She was forced to mutate. At, like she was forced to mutate, right? And become human. And then she had like buying in her because they were like, it ended up like, you know, two like personalities sharing one vessel and buying fell in love with this guy. And then she was like, she wants to be happy with the guy and like love. And it's things like love is foolish. Like, you know, you shouldn't rely on a man to do things for you. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she was just basically like, fuck men. And I was like, yes, girl, fuck men. Not worth it. (laughs) But when they ended up splitting, so like when they ended up splitting apart um, and buying killed her, then buying like laid like then buying laid forth this plan to have her resurrected in the future, and so then they like buying carefully plotted all of this right. She carefully plotted all this plan, and then I was so confused when buying resurrected because like they're supposed to have the same face like buying and sitting is supposed to have the same face, but then they didn't. But then they explained that, and like I thought that like for like the big story plot points, they really explained well like why this happened like how this happened, what happened here, you know what I'm saying? But then there were, like, little things that they kind of let go. Like, the fact that, like, Shifran's friend, like, he his, like, um friend that was, like, taking care of him or whatever was actually, like, the master from years ago that was trying to kill um, Sitang. They never yeah. really, like, he does, I don't, he, he never finds that out, right? They never find out that that's, like, that person was that, like, that, that his friend was that person. But, like, I also, there was no reason for them really... There was no necessity for them to really need to find that out, essentially, because, like, he already had that argument with his friend when his when he found out that his friend was kind of the reason why his ex fiance from six years ago had died. Yeah. And he had, like, said to him, you know, you need to go there, make it, and fix yourself and blah blah like fix it blah 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 and then it kind of like he cut ties with him at that point so then it made sense that he would not have known that that was actually the master but I don't know I enjoyed it it was fun I like I was very satisfied with everything I actually hated that they gave us two ending um I know a lot of people prefer the alternative ending but I think the original ending is the better ending because to me, the alternative ending just doesn't make any sense. So basically, um, after they, they, after they like go through everything and they re rebirth, they are whatever they rebirth buying. Right. Um, basically they were like already like the, uh, Shifang and Sitang have already had already fallen in love at that point. And, Mm -hmm. Shifang was like basically trying to say to her like you know I love you and it's like he's like I have you in my heart it's okay if you don't have me in your heart but I really care about you and blah 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 and then she's like 
you are a descendant of Bain, which would therefore make you a descendant of me, you know? And then he's like, you know, I don't care if you're human or alien. And you know me. Ah, that's, oh, oh, oh. I, I messaged you when I heard that line because I was like, Coffee Prince. Because <laughs> you know, that's my favorite line from Coffee Prince. <laughs> but he was like, I don't care if yes. you're human or alien. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. he was like, I don't care. He was like, I don't care if you're a human or alien. But, like, it does, it would, like, and I don't care if I'm an alien, but, like, it does bother me if we're, like, related. And he was, like, that's why I don't want you to recombine with Bayeng either, and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, eventually, I think it does, she, she's, like, because he was, like, don't you want to be your own person and, like, do your own things type thing? Like, you yeah. combining, recombining with her is going to affect that. And so then when she does find buying she decides not to recombine with her and instead because she had killed red umbrella which was another yikan um instead she um gives her half the power like gives buying half of her power which was like you know not necessarily a good idea because now buying's like what the fuck why this bitch happy hell no buying's that bitter ass friend that her relationship failed and therefore she needs all y'all relationships to fail. That's buying, in short. <laughs> I mean... So she's a hater. Okay, I get it. Okay, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. They When they gave us buying's story, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, wait. I, I was like, oh, no, I actually do feel bad for her. Because, like, you, you watch, like, this girl. Like, she was young and, like, impressionable. And she really loved... Um, Yankuan, like she really loved him. And even though Satan was like telling her that he's just using her, she was like, she refused to believe that, right? And she 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 was like, no, it's not true, blah, blah, blah. So then she goes and like she like she talks to him and she's like, Oh, promise me that I'll be the only girl for you. And he was like, Yeah, I'll not marry anyone else. You're the last person I'll marry, blah, blah, blah. And then he like locks her in a room and marries someone else. And, like, all that stuff. And then that, like, kind of triggers her, right? So she ends up going mad and going evil. And so she kills the his new bride. And then she changed her oh, face. Wow. Yeah. And then yeah. she changes her face. And then she, like, overhears him. Like, he's like, oh, you're a monster, blah, blah, blah. And he locks her, again, no food or whatever, locks her up in the room. And then um, she, like, overhears him with the first wife. And the first wife was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, that's not my kid. And then she was like, well, duh, we don't fuck. So how can it be your kid? And then she was like, I hate you. You hate me. But it's going to be your kid because we need money or some shit like that. And then Bayin thought that, okay, if I give him a like a um, child, then he will love me again. Right? That's what her mind thought her. And so then... They sleep together and she gets pregnant, but then it turns out that he actually orchestrated this by working with, uh, I wish, let me remember his name, but working with the master who was trying to, um, Shishan, basically he was working with um, Shishan to get her pregnant so that when she was going to, she would use her power to have the baby and therefore she would be vulnerable and weak and that would be the moment to kill her. And so then she finds that out. So then that makes her go even more insane and upset. And then she was like, she she needs to um, sit back in her life. And then she was like, she that's when she like decided to do her whole like plan of how to like resurrect sit in a couple of years and blah blah blah. So then it hurt her feelings to see when sit now and Shifan are just like 
pretty much having the time of their lives because they're so yeah. in love. Shifan is so loyal to her. Like, you know, he looks after her, takes care of her, all that stuff. And she was like, she never had that with Shan Kwan. So she literally kills him. Like, I mean, wow. he didn't die. Like, he's died like three yeah, times on the show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just has no meaning her. Okay. Yeah. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. Yeah. So, um, he died like she like literally tosses this motherfucker off this like tall ass building and he just goes splat and i'm not gonna lie i teared up but because like the acting at that moment from jin tang i was like oh my god because <laughs> i was like it was just so sad because like she was like you could tell like she was so happy and carefree and she was like oh she's on a date with her boyfriend and then he disappears and then boom she turns around and he's just like a puddle of blood on the floor and so then she ends up having to like bring him back and like he's basically like a vegetable in comatose so then she sets up an elaborate plan to capture buying and when she captures buying she transfers buying's power into Shifang. And when she does that, like her transferring his her power into him is what allows his bodies, because like he's like basically he he was a vegetable, right? Like it, all of his bones were broken. There was like nothing he could do essentially. And then these were also little moments where I was just like, okay, listen. I was like, what kind of hospital is letting a comatose patient out like within like two hours? Like what? <laughs> That makes no sense. Like, hospital in the world, yes. I was like, I was like, what? And then even like, even the way they captured buying because they did like this whole like um thing, this whole like illusion thing on them, like the way that they captured buying, and then it turns out that oh, it wasn't Shifang that was in that was like lying in the room. It was actually um sitting. And she did like illusion power on them. And then when you look, Shifan was like in the bathtub. And I'm like, how long has he been just in the bathtub like that for like three days? This man, where's his life support? Like, isn't he supposed to be dead? Wow. <laughs> I was wow. like, I was like, where's his life support? Is he supposed to be dead? But anyway, so they transfer half the power or whatever. What? And then um uh, the the master comes back and he's like, I'm going to kill you all. And then, you know, they all run away. They, like, disappear into a village, like, back, basically back into the forest. Because that's, like, one of the main points to, like, the forest where they were, like, evolved from. So, like, uh, Shifang is not actually related to either of them. He um, evolved from the great tree. So, like, in the forest with the, where the aliens are or whatever, the Great Tree is one of those, like, Yi Clan members as well. And then Rattan would have been one of the other, like, things. But the Great Tree is the one that kind of oversees everything. So that's why, like, Shifang um, and Sitang's love was so good and pure with each other. Because they complement each other, right? Because he's a tree and she's a Rattan, right? So that's why they, like... So it was kind of like a little bit of, like, a faded love story as well ah okay but i like that they didn't really say that they're faded from the beginning because i hate when they do that like oh we're faded so we have to make this work it's like more like oh we already made it work and now we know that that we're (laughs) you took like that's exactly what i said to my friend because like we were talking about it because we were saying that like in a lot of fantasy dramas it's always like oh these people are fated to be together and they like tell you right off the bat but with this it's like it works backwards to, sh- to show you that 
oh, they already get along. They already work together. Like, yes, his blood awoke in her, but you didn't really know the reason why or anything like that until much later is when you find out, oh, it's because he's a descendant from the great tree. And that's why his blood allowed her, you know, and all that stuff. So anyways, basically in episode 27, which is where I thought the story could have ended, to be honest, like I would have been content with that ending. But I'm also not mad about the extra two episodes that they gave us either. But the alternative ending is when I was like, eh, no. But episode 27 was like one of the, like, it was like basically the penultimate episode, right? So they basically, all three of them die. Um, Sitang, uh, the master, and Baying, all three of them die. And I actually think it was kind of poetic the way that they died. So, like, it was like a, a, huge brawl between the three of them and we had also found out some backstory in the master of why he hates the yikan so much because he got played like he got played he got hella played like a yikan member lured him and he fell in love with her and then she kind of like took this like special thing from him and so then he goes Uh on a killing rampage and kills everyone like kills and then decide from then on that all the yikan are our enemy and that's why he spent like a hundred years i'm like sir let that let that hurt go because like he's such like a typical fuck boy like oh my god like okay one girl hurt you like 200 years ago let that shit go like <laughs> literally like 200 years ago <laughs> like let it go <laughs> but it was so funny. funny because like I felt like they were trying to do that because they, they were trying to make it see, like make him seem more like sympathetic. I'm like, no, he's so fucking annoying. I was like, no, I was like, nah. Like, okay, she hurt him, but I hit when he was dying or whatever. They showed a scene and it's like they were on like a separate plane and the girl came up to him and she was like, you you wasted so much of your life trying to get back at us and like. I still love you, but I had to do what I had to do. And then he was like, you taught me that it was clanned over, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whatever. But it was like a cute moment of <laughs> you. Like It was like a moment where like you saw that he wrapped up his like feelings a little bit, you know? And then with Bai, um, Bai, it was the same situation where like she was transported into the past and like the guy who fucked her over was like on the ground and like he was like the building's burning save me save me and she was like no we're gonna die together and because she was like i know Sitang says that our love was not faded and that you brought me all the horrors in life but i feel as though we've ignored that i also brought a lot of horrors in your life and so then they died and then obviously Sitang didn't get to see Shifan before she died because like it was like literally like two seconds he would have gotten there and then she disappeared yeah so it was a little bit like there was like a little thing um after like that whole like you know the whole death thing in the episode like 27 or 28 I forget which one um there was a after that it did do a five-year time jump and it's kind of, it was kind of weird because, you know, he's, like, he spends, like, his five years because now he has, like, by Ying's power. So he spends, like, a long time trying to find Sitang and, like, hoping that she will mutate again and come back in and blah, blah, blah. Which is why I said that I would have been content with the ending, like, the way it ended on episode 27. But, like, obviously a lot of people would not be because, you know, yeah. that this is, like, you, you want a happy ending for your love story, yeah. essentially. And so, um, 
he meets the so they do a five year time jump and he meets her again in five years but she's a little girl right because like they mutate so she's like a little five-year-old and i was like oh this is weird i'm like yeah are you having like i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't get me wrong the scenes were cute and i guess this is kind of show you how um well like how well that little girl acts and how well he acts because like the scenes between them did not feel like you know like 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 creepy like oh attraction it felt more like of a a fatherly type of bond which was kind of interesting you know what i'm saying yes but it was still it was still a little it was still a little creepy to me just a little bit i would assume that it's creepy to be quite honest with you uh Right? Like, so he meets her again in five years and it turns out that, like, she got adopted by this lady and that the lady's been abusing the little girl. And then you find out that the lady's actually a member of the Yi clan as well. And, yeah, and then, like, you find out that, like, the the lady has been, like, um, Sitang, because like I told you, I think last episode, uh, I told you that Sitang was pretty much raised to kill Yikan members and absorb their fa- their powers. So you find out that like Sitang had c- killed pretty much her entire f- friend group, and so like she kind of had revenge, and she didn't even know that the little girl was Sitang either. And so then, um, eventually, you you find out that Sitang, the reason why he was able to even see the five year old Sitang, even though then there was kind of like a, it's a fantasy, right? So there's kind of like a there was also like a parallel universe where she was an adult Sitang as well, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and so you find out that the reason why he was able to see that was because Sitang wanted so badly to be with him that she forcefully mutated herself, right? And when you forcefully mutate yourself, you're going against nature you're going against the law and so then you find like you find out that she was actually starting to disappear because of that and so he decided to give well in this ending he decided to give her his powers so that and then that puts him like you know in a vegetative a vegetative state because that was what was keeping him alive by his powers that's what keeps him alive right and so when he gives her yeah, so when he gives her his powers, um, because he's like, she's always wanted to just live like a carefree, happy life. Yes. Yeah. So he gives her his powers and erases all the memories of them. So then Boo. you get <laughs> So then you get another <laughs> so then you get another like twenty year time um fifteen year time jump. So then it's an adult sitang now and like, you know, she was living in this like with this family and doing all that stuff but um and then she kept having weird dreams and so then eventually she finds out that like she, she like she meets up with um young Ferran, which is he's such a funny guy so she meets up with young Ferran, and he's like older now married has kids and a grandkid and i'm like oh i was like well he better because it's been like 20 years now but he still can't help but call her miss Sitang. so he's like miss Sitang, and she was like what are you talking about you're like so much older than me grandpa and then he's like you really don't know who you are and so then he brings her to see um she fangs like this entire time she fangs just been in a vegetative state 
at this like nursing home for like 20 years now and then she brings him when she brings him to her she, she like when she touches his hand the memories get transferred and then she sees everything and then she starts crying and then she like takes him and then she was like I thank you so much for this opportunity that you gave me to live the life that I've always wanted I really just wish that we could have lived it together you know type situation yeah. and she brings him they like she brings him into the great forest and they both like you know die together like not like die together but they both um I guess kind of disappear together or whatever so that would have like been like the, the cycle end. kind of thing yeah like, like you know stuff like that yeah okay yeah so that now they're they're both like together and are gonna exist in that whatever dimension together type situation so that was like the first ending and then the second ending i just did not understand so that's why i said i would have been content with that ending because i thought that, would, that was a good ending you know it kind of wraps up the story like Satan got to live her life like she wanted you know yeah um the second ending was a little bit confusing. Like, honestly, I didn't really get it. Like, so at that moment where he had given Satang his power, instead of that happening, he kept his power. And then, like, that Satang who looked, like, the little girl who looked like Satang as a little girl was not actually Satang, but it was Satang. And then they went into, like, this forest and then, it turns out that this entire time him and Satang has been it was weird I just didn't get it I was just like like you know they just they just gave you that ending because they wanted it to be a happier ending you know what I'm saying where yeah. it's like oh the two of them are together and they're alive and they're living in isolation and being with each other for these 20 years but I don't know I just wasn't feeling it I just it just didn't make sense like the alternative ending did not make sense with the story but at the yeah. end of the day, I gave it a 9 out of 10 because I really enjoyed it. Oh, I didn't I get a 9.5. Or I am surprised about that because you really huh. did enjoy it. So I assumed that it would do better than a 9. I thought it would be like a 9.5, maybe even a 10. Well, the reason why it didn't get a 9.5 or a 10 is because I only got like three kisses and they wasn't even real kisses. That fuck? Listen. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> Din Shang put them kisses on. And so I felt robbed. And because I felt robbed, I took away uh, one point because of that. Like, I just feel like we wasted this very good chemistry. Don't get me wrong. Like, it really, like, they really hammered in on the romantic moments. Like, the little, like, fluffy romantic moments, you know? And, like, the the impact of their their, like, love for each other. You could really feel it and see it. But I want kisses. Like, I'm watching Love Scenery, and he, like, Lingy is putting on them kisses on Julu, and, like, I want the, I wanted that. I wanted to see them close eyes sucking the, the tongue out kisses. So <laughs> for this new, for the new drama that they're going to film together, I hope they know that that is a requirement. Because, like, why, like, listen, Korea had the tea. Not Korea. China had the tea. They are so fucking hot together. They are so hot. Like, I was very shocked by how much chemistry they have together. Like, it was just, and it was so natural. Like, so, so natural. It was very shocking to me. So, I, I gave it nine because of that. Like, I, I really did. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, I literally, I was like, 
I'm not giving this like a 9.5 or a 10 because they wasted, I did not get kisses and I didn't get, I wanted kisses. Cause like everything else I really enjoyed, like the cinematography was gorgeous. Yeah. Like the clothing, costumes, everything is just really, was, it was really, really like, I heard that it didn't have a big budget, but it's hard to believe because like when I tell you they really did do a good job with like graphics and stuff like that, it's so weird to see that they didn't have a big budget, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, so that's me. <laughs> and then I watched another dra- um, drama called Please Don't Date Him, which was kind of cute too. And I gave that 7 out of 10. It did give me kisses, but the story was dumb. So... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess, is really what the point of that is. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I do prefer a good story to... No. I mean, at the end of the day, I am more attuned to really, really enjoy a show if the story is, like, really good and the chemistry is good you know so like mm-hmm. Satang had it like uh, Ratan had that right they had the chemistry and they had like a nice story that was good to follow and stuff like that they could, could they have gotten sexier and raunchier yes um but for what it was which was what it's supposed to be like a romantic drama suspense you know yeah it makes sense that it wouldn't have gone all the way but then like for a romantic comedy like please don't date me where they were trying to, like, kind of make a statement piece about, like, privacy and all that stuff, and, like, in the modern world and all that stuff, it fell flat story-wise, but they did have good chemistry. So that's why I gave them a seven, you know? Mm. See? See how my mind works? I see the balance here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Books. Yes. I finished Faking It, which I really, really, really loved. Um in terms of I don't know I just Davy Dempsey is like such like I don't know he's such a good guy like you know the whole idea of like they're not being honor among thieves kind of mm-hmm. thing? um but he totally is honorable you know to people he deems worthy of the honor and I really like that but I think that's kind of hot to be quite honest um that whole like bent thing that you know he is and then tilda was also sort of bent because her family history is basically like them you know scamming people (laughs) from like for like hundreds of years like they went back to like the crucifixion basically um they've been their their family history is like rife with like criminal activity uh but like it's funny how like they're criminals but they're like they do have they all have these lines they wouldn't cross and like murder was one of them um and i know i just so really enjoyed the, it yeah. for the listeners what is oh, yes. taking it oh you're not mentioned <laughs> last week i'm sorry i thought i did I was just no we did it yeah. we skipped all over oh we did we did oh. yeah we didn't do any okay, last recording so you have oh. to mention it yeah oh my god i'm so sorry guys i thought i had mentioned it already okay let me pull up the book here jennifer cruzy okay so jennifer cruzy is a author of mainly romance um but like like comedic romance in in the sense um i really love her sense of humor uh and so let's see um okay i'm gonna use the one on her website so faking it 
She has a history of forgery. She's trying to forget. He has a knack for scamming. He's trying to resist. But one fateful night, their good intentions go bad. And what they get up to is downright immoral, illegal, and irresistible. Meet the Good Knights, a respectable family who have run a respectable art gallery for generations. There's Gwen the Matriarch, who sedates herself with double cross sticks and double vodkas. Eve, the oldest daughter, who has a slight identity problem. She has two. And Nadine, the granddaughter, who's ready to follow in the family footsteps as soon as she can find a set that isn't leading off a cliff. Holding everyone together is Matilda, the youngest daughter, who's inherited the secret locked down in the basement of the Goodnight Gallery, a secret that she's willing to do almost anything to keep, including breaking into a house in the dead of the night to steal back her past. Meet the Dempsey's, or at least meet Davy, a reformed conman who's just been ripped off for a cool $3 million by his financial manager, who then gallantly turned it over to Cleo Lewis, the most beautiful sociopath Davy ever slept with. Davy wants the money back, but more than that, he'll do anything to keep Cleo from winning, including breaking into her house in the dead of the night to steal back his, for- his future. One collision in a closet later, Tilda and Davy reluctantly join forces. Damn, this is a long yeah. I know, right? Description. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there, guys. I promise. I'm suspicious. Okay, so a one collision in a closet later, Tilda and Davy reluctantly join forces to combat Clea, suspicious art collectors, a disgruntled heir, an exasperated hitman, all the while coping with a mutual dis- dashund, uh, a mutant, sorry, dashund, a uh, jukebox stuck in the 60s, questionable sex, a painting of three evil fishermen closing in on this the on a dyspeptic tuna multiple personalities miscellaneous good nights and densities and the growing realization that they can't turn their backs on the people they were meant to be or the people they were born to love she has a history of forgery she's trying to forget wait and it just repeated that first thing that i mentioned and it's like yeah that's it so basically what you have to know is that tilda is a good night davy is a dempsey their families are corrupt immoral and have done a lot of scamming and conning throughout the, the generations. And they're basically, they've been sort of trying to reform themselves in some ways. But they realize that, you know, maybe we are who we are. Maybe our family history is, you know, a part of us, even if we are not our parents. And... um. I really liked it. I love the first meeting in the closet. So basically, like, Clea had stolen from her, like, if you read the book, one of the books before that, which is Welcome to Temptation, it involves Sophie Dempsey. She's a, she's a female lead, and she's Davy's older sister. And basically, like, they had this whole thing there where Cleo, like, literally just, like, watched her husband die so that she could get his inheritance <laughs> and his insurance payment. Um, and then Davy stole the million dollars from her. And he, you know, invested whatever, made more money. And then his his manager, his financial manager, stole that money and gave it back to Clea because she had been seducing him. So that's why Davy is here where the good nights are. And I can't remember where in Ohio, but all of Jennifer Cruz's books take place in Ohio. So <laughs> she comes back. <laughs> so they and Tilda has this, you know, secret in the basement, which is basically that her family, her her ancestors have been like, creating contemporary forgeries so they're creating forgeries of important painters of the time and they were but not to sell it at the time they were going to keep it so that the future generations could sell them as real ones which is genius i mean i learned a lot about like scamming people in the art world through this this novel and this series because like 
it's insane. It's it's just so easy to scam people in the art world. Um, but anyway, so and also her dad used her and her mother to create like some fake art legis like legacy of of these like you know um, these these special paintings that this father and son and the daughter had done and you know they're limited edi- editions and he created this whole history and it was really like his wife and his daughter that he forced to paint these things and so um, Nadine the granddaughter um, of Gwen, the niece of Matilda, decides, like, she she doesn't know anything about any of this stuff. So she sells one of these paintings. And basically, Matilda's like, well, we have to steal it back because anybody with an eye is going to know that there's something sketchy here. So she goes to, she sneaks into to Cleo's house while Davy's there. And they crash, literally crash into each other in the closet. And he steals the painting for her, but it's the wrong painting. And so he, but he follows her back to where she's living. And of course her art gallery just happens to have apartments on top. So he, you know, decides he's going to go back and he's going to rent an apartment and he's going to figure out what's going on. And they team up. Davey's going to help her steal her paintings back. And, and not just from like Cleo, they're going to get them from all the people who bought them so that they get all the paintings out of like, and put them in the basement and kind of keep everything locked up. And she's going to help him, you know, get his money back. And then so through this whole story, you have like Clea, you know, trying to seduce and trying to get this rich man to marry her. The rich man is in love with Gwen. Um, Gwen hates everything and just drinks all the time and plays, does these puzzles um, and, you know, dreams of not being in our gallery. Her sister, Tilda's sister, um, Eve, has like this double life as like um like a lounge like a stripper maybe like a Mm -hmm. singer like so she has like this this double life and this other person called louise who is like basically just sleeps with everybody sexy he's everything that eve is not and then nadine is like in high school but she's like already like well i'm gonna have to take care of the family business so i'm gonna date dudes who's who like have connections so that I can like get jobs so that I can take care of my family and everybody is like right she she was really like on that hustle from like the jump I loved it um and then so you have all of these things happening at the same time and I actually didn't realize like I'm doing a really poor job of explaining things but there's a lot going on in this book guys I'm not gonna be on it I'm gonna be very honest about that right and not gonna lie but I didn't realize how much happens in such a short period of time. Like literally the time when Davy start, like when Davy's friend Simon comes down, um, who's also like a former criminal, reformed, of course. Um, he comes to help Davy and he gets the room and Davy ends up sleeping, like sharing a bed with Matilda. I was like, and she's like, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours ago, I didn't have this dog. And I didn't have this Davy. And I was like, oh my God, you know what happened in that time? He got the wrong photo. He got the wrong painting. They had bad sex. Um, they had a couple of parties uh, where like, where Gwen was sort of like trying to get that rich dude like to be, I guess, to sort of uh, distract them so that they can kind of go into the place and get that um like they had so much going on in those two days and I didn't realize how condensed the story was and how because I felt like 
if you had asked me before this reread, I'd have been like, mm, it like it feels like a month or two months. But everything happens literally in like two weeks. <laughs> a gallery show, like literally, they scam a whole bunch of friggin' people. Um, while Tilda's working and making murals because that's what she does for a living, um, and like Davy's dad shows up. They have that art gallery showing. Um, Clea gets um, Ronald, I think, is the the financial guy to like hire a hitman to kill Davy. <laughs> like so much is going on, and it's only all of that happens in two weeks. They go to Temptation to see Sophie. They come back. Like I really love though, like the last scene when um matilda like davy had just come back but matilda had already went to clea because clea figures out that matilda was pretending to be that something hodge scarlet hodge girl um and like that there was a scam there so she was trying to use it to blackmail matilda so that she could get this rich dude to marry her even though he clearly didn't want to marry her like he wanted the opposite of that at that point uh and so she shows up and like Ronald is already in the closet. So then she goes into the closet. Davy goes to save the day. And he's like, I'll give you your, some of your money back, whatever. And he goes into the closet. So the three of them are in the closet. Gwen shows up and, sh and she's all like um, trying to stop the hitman who she's in love with at this point and has slept with um, from killing Davy. And the rich dude shows up and is just like, pandemonium going on in this one closet it really reminds me and like what i like about like her style of comedy is it reminds me of slapstick comedy like mm -hmm. um like um bringing up baby you know i don't know if you've ever seen that movie yeah before. yeah yeah uh -huh. um so yeah it kind of reminds me um and there's another one there's another better one than that but um it kind of reminded me of that kind of crazy over-the-top sort of comedy um at the time and screwball comedy that's what it's called that's what it reminded me of that's her style of writing is very much in line with that so um there's one movie that i have to mention because i the awful truth that is the one with cary grant and his girl friday those are like some of the best movies I've ever made. Um, and that that is a style of comedy that I really, really like that nobody really does anymore, I feel. Um, and I think that's what really sort of connected me to the book. And also to just like the fact that like, you know, even though Davy, I feel, didn't really do much growing, I feel like, you know, he was pretty much settled in this. This was Matilda's story. And it was about her being afraid of letting people in because she had all of this bad history that she was trying to wrap up and keep on under lock and key and her not embracing it and not you know being honest about it is why she was so unhappy and it was why you know she had bad sex with Davy, <laughs> which is another thing romance novels never have bad sex like i could not name a one could you um not off the top of my head no yeah like i've never read one before that had like bad sex and this was more because of where Matilda's head was than it was of any like technique or anything like that um but like you see sort of like an evolution of Matilda as the series progresses and how she starts to embrace the goodnight legacy and I really really love how it ends with the two of them and you know he paid off their mortgage because I mean 
you want a rich boyfriend at the end is all I'm saying. And she got that with Davey. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. I really like, it's still my favorite Jennifer Cruzy book. Like, uh, and I'm really apologize that I didn't explain anything properly, but you know, it was very, it was a very complicated book guys. It was so like, there was so much going on. And as I said, it all happened in two weeks. So it was kind of hard to keep track of it. Like when I was like trying to keep track of the timeline, um so but yes i would say for me it's definitely a 9.5 out of 10 would reread i love it it's so funny it has hurt um you know it makes ohio seem like a cool place to live which is very is hard to do that's why it's like it's a very hard thing to do but it does make ohio seem like a happening spot so you know just for that alone, I think it deserves uh, like the 9.5 that I gave it. What about you? What did you read? What? Oh, 9.5 out of 10? Yes. Not 10 out of 10? I would say that it doesn't get a 9.5. Like it, it misses that 0.5 just because like it, there is a bit too much going on, I think. And so okay. it does get a bit confusing. Like, I feel like stories should be easy to explain. And I feel like this story is a little bit harder to explain. And I think that, like, because there's so much going on. Um, and in some cases, there's a bit of misdirect. And some things are, like, unnecessary. Like, when they had um, Cleo's, not Cleo's first husband, the one she watched die, but the second one who also mysteriously died um <laughs> his grandson was like pretending to be fbi because they were investigating clea and like that part was unnecessary i think like i think there was just too much going on in the book and i think there should have been more of a focus maybe on davy too i think that davy as i said didn't really have much character growth you know like he was already like pretty settled and I thought that, like, if this was really a story about two legacy families and people sort of embracing it, I think it could have been better um, for Davy. But it it didn't really do much. Actually, Davy was really really hot in Welcome to Temptation. This one, he's he's still you know pretty pretty hot, but like, you know the the bad boy element was kind of missing in some ways. So I don't know. As I said, like there was just a bit too much going on and I didn't I think the story didn't really service Davy as much as it did Matilda and I mean yeah you know I'm happy about it but I feel like as as I was reading these synopsis for the book you know it was it did start about legacies and two legacies in, in particular so I think that the story needed to have like that focus a little bit more but yeah okay that was faking it uh, nice nice um, so I actually did not read a fiction book. Well, technically I did read a fiction book, but like I read like a somewhat fiction book. It wasn't really a fiction book, but I guess it like I wouldn't call it a book. I would call it like a fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just it was it was really short. It was like 36 pages. It was free and there was a reason why it was free. So it is Asian American um, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and so like a lot of people have like Asian readathons that they're doing, and um, so I've been reading or like my to my TBR and currently reading books have been, with the exception of one book, because even though my Goodreads says I'm reading two books currently, 
I am not actually reading those books. I have not opened them as yet. Um, but um, if you, what was I saying? So I want to read like, you know, eight books with either Asian leads or written by Asian people this month. Because, you know, that's like usually yeah. what I do, like themes or whatever. So yeah. I read, I got this free little novella called um god it was so bad it's called office hours and it's a student and professor story my gosh it's literally garbage like it's it's like garbage is better than this like i swear to god so maria knew it was a bad idea to plagiarize her paper so when she gets caught by her professor she expects to get expelled but unfortunately Or fortunately, Professor Murray has other ideas in mind for the student he always desired. And it's like the first in a standalone series. And it's like a sexy novelette featuring a very bad professor, light bondage, and some fun with food. Like, first of all, this shit made me not want to eat food. Second of all... (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Like, it was just... Like, ugh! Like, first of all, like... It was worthless. Like, the professor was a predator, girl. Like, this man was like, like, for, like, ugh. Hold on. Let me just, let me just pull up the notes that I took from this little, like, it's like, it's such a short book, but like, I just had to like, write. Actually, I think I may have deleted it because I was like, I don't want any evidence of this shit in my life. Um, <laughs> I am so dramatic. How are you friends with me? I am so dramatic. <laughs> So dramatic. <laughs> no, it was just so bad. So you know, like the 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 synopsis is the story, right? Um, she uh, notes the synopsis is the story. She literally plagiarizes, and then he was like, "Stay after class," and then she stays after class, and then he was like, "Can't believe you plagiarized," and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna lose like I'm gonna lose my scholarship." Or maybe she doesn't have a scholarship, but she might as well have. Because, honestly, this was the most cliched, dumb shit I've ever read in my life. But, like, she was like, oh, I'm going to lose, whatever. And then he was like, no, you won't. Just, you know, suck my dick. And that's basically it. Like, he he just, like, they spend, like, the next, like, couple chapters just fucking on every different surface. Like, it was bad. Like, she was like, he massaged. Okay, so here's a note. He massaged her knuckles, causing her eyes to widen. Were professors allowed to touch their students like that? I don't want you to leave school, he said, his blue eyes gazing into her green ones. Um, this is sexual harassment, she forced herself to say, and you're committed academic dishonesty. Are you blackmailing me? I'm offering you a way to avoid expulsion. Like what um yeah that's that is actually grounds for being fired um right he's blackmailing his student with and sexually harassing her all right i'm telling you it's it was like and then like um it was just like i was just like ew and then like she kept trying to like make it seem like um he he like was like really into her like he had some kind of love for her but here's the thing right because he was probably like i don't know like he's a professor so he's maybe like in his 40s or something she was definitely like 18 because like this was her first semester of school she's only been in school for like one semester like it was just so creepy it was just like this was like everything that was that's wrong with a student professor story where a yeah. professor is just obviously using his power to take advantage of a little girl i it was bad and that's why it was free 
And so, <laughs> but on a happier, well, albeit also sad note, but I did give this book five stars. I read um, a book, Crying in H Mart, by Michelle Zahner, and um, she's actually a musician. She's known as Japanese Breakfast. Never heard of them before. Never I've listened heard of to them anything. Before. Yeah. Never, never have. But I saw the book because the book was trending for a while on um NetGalley. So I was like, oh, let me see what's up with it. So like apparently she she had previously written an essay titled Crying in H Mart. And so then I just I decided to like read the book. So um from the indie rock star of Japanese Breakfast Fame and author of the viral 2018 New Yorker essay that shares the title of this book, an unflinching, powerful memoir about growing up Korean-American, losing her mother, and for- forging her own identity. In this exquisite story of family, food, grief, and endurance, Michelle Zahner proves herself far more than a dazzling singer, songwriter, and guitarist. With humor and heart, she tells of growing up the only Asian-American kid at her school in Eugene, Oregon, of struggling with her mother's particular high expectations of her, of a painful adolescence, of treasured months spent in her grandmother's tiny apartment in Seoul, where she and her mother would bond, late at night over a heaping place of food, as she grew up moving to the East Coast for college, finding work in the restaurant industry, and performing gigs with her fledging band and meeting the man who would become her husband, her Koreanness began to feel even more distant, even as she found the life that she wanted to live. It was when her mother's diagnosis of terminal pancreatic cancer when Michelle was 25 that forced a reckoning with her identity and brought her to reclaim the gifts of taste, language, and history her mother had given her. Vivacious and plain-spoken, lyrical and honest, Zoner's voice is a as radiant alive on the page as it is on stage, rich with intimate incidents that will resonate widely and completely with family photos. Crying in H Mart is a book to cherish, share, and read. So I don't have I don't have the physical copy, so obviously I didn't have any family photos or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I love this book. Um I think it was a little bit hard to read for me because I think I'm still dealing with grief. And so reading this book was very hard. Like I I cried a couple times. Aww. And because I'm like kinda I'm I'm I definitely need to like get some help. But um <laughs> not that it's funny. But um it was it was really like I, I liked it. Like it it was nice. Like I loved the description and talking about the food and like all this stuff like because like food was how she connected with her mom and then I like how like raw she was about like dealing with grief because like people always they like a lot of times when you read about grief in um, media and stuff they make they're like you know it's something that you will eventually resonate like you know like become close with and get over it but like no one mentions like you know the anger and like how you get upset and like stuff like that with grief you know yeah. And it was like it was it was really nice how she like explained 
like there were different parts in the story where she just like kind of like explained how she was feeling because it, it was a memoir right so it was just like to me it felt like it read like a diary like this was like her personal diary that she was just trying to share and like that um Cindy also read this book and I agree with her assessment of it in that she it felt more so like it was a personal story for her that like this author needed to write this story for herself it wasn't like it wasn't for us to really consume to get like a higher purpose off you know what I'm saying yeah yeah no I get it okay yeah it's really nice like that you're you know reading these emotional serious sort of like <laughs> thought-provoking stories and I'm just like reading garbage for the most part but you know well th- this <laughs> But but that's like so like for this I don't really think it was that like it wasn't very like thought provoking per se it was just like like once like, it is a memoir about like her life and like her growing up and like you know being the only it just like for me it it really whenever I read memoirs by immigrant people I always or minorities in general it just goes to show how kind of universal some immigrant experiences are you know. And so it's just, like, like her saying, oh, you know, like, the food that they grew up with. And, like, oh, you have to, like, when you're sick, you eat this. You drink your sea- seaweed soup and, like, stuff like that. And then, like, I think about how in Jamaica, we're always, like, oh, something's wrong with you. Here's some tea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yo, tea literally heals every single Everything. Thing. Like, me and my friend, the other day, we were on the phone. And uh, she was, like, do you know that I told my boyfriend my knee was hurting me? And then I was like, let me go drink some tea. And I was like, she was like, why did I say I'm going to drink some tea? It was my knee. My knee was hurting me. I was like, I was like, girl, you don't know. You could be gas in your tea, you don't, in your knee. You don't know. <laughs> Just like you got a stomach ache. You have a headache. You, you know, your funny bone, you hit your funny bone. Like anything, right? anything. you can think of. Jamaicans like drink tea (laughs) but yeah so like it was just like it was really nice to like read and like like I said I cried because like I just like I've been having a hard time with death lately right and like Mm -hmm. I feel like a a lot of people I've known easily about five people have I've known have passed away in the last like six Mm -hmm. months and so it's just like and then like her mom because like lately I've been feeling very like just like how like you know death is so permanent and stuff and then like it was her mom that passed away so then I've been thinking about my mom and like all that stuff so yeah yeah (laughs) but I liked it it was good I gave it five stars like I I don't really think it's necessarily a five star book in general but I just don't think I could have rated it below five star because that's my that's my rule like if you make me cry you're five stars yeah so yeah, so that's what I read. And I, I do have a couple more books on the horizon to read. Um, hopefully not as heavy. I don't know. We'll see. I wasn't expecting this one to be as heavy as it was. Like, I didn't really think I was going to be as emotional. But I have a couple of cute stories that I'm going to be reading. So hopefully I'll be finished with maybe two of them by our next recording. So I, too, will read some books, okay? You're not going to be the only person who reads some books. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh my god you're so i mean i'm, I'm excited i'm excited yes. i have a full love story a fa love story to read 
which is supposed to be cute. It's a YA contemporary. And I think, well, we'll I, I'm going to read Braised Pork, which is like a short literary um, novel. And wait, I don't, you know what? I should not say this on record because then I don't do gonna, any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. if I don't do any of this, <laughs> so I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, I, have I, I have a book that I have that I was waiting for on, that was on hold. This is April 28th. What's the day? May 6th? Oh, I should check my Hotmail account more often. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still use my Hotmail account because, like, I've had it since I was, like, 16. And I have, like, some older things that are connected to it that I'm just, like, not moving over to Gmail. I feel if one of these goes down, I'm safe with the other, you know? I mean, I have a a Hotmail. Girl, I have have a Hotmail account. I have a Gmail account. I have an Outlook account. Wow. Okay. See? We're prepared. (laughs) We're prepared. (laughs) But I'm definitely going to try to see if I can find... um, I'm gonna look at my bookshelf actually and see if I have anything. We that's need to read Asian History Month together. It's Asian. Is it? It's Asian History and Pacific Island. Is it? It's because yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Okay. So it's Asian American and Pacific Island Islander Heritage Month. Um, don't you have like the Alicia Ray book or something? I do actually. I have the right swipe. Oh, I read that. It's trash. Next. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have literally like most of the stuff that i have honestly is just by like black authors like that's usually what i try to buy from and mm-hmm. then i have um some white authors and then just like i have i have a history like i have a story like a more of a non-fictional biography on like asian rulers and stuff but i don't really have we, and we i have like, like- we always Different. just go straight deep down diving duty. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I I love history, so I like to read about it. Um, no, but I do have no, 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 I'm not saying that. No, uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying oh. that we always just like go off the some tangent. on some tangent. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> um, but I do have like Nalini Singh books, so maybe mm-hmm. that will count in some way. If not, I will just borrow some books from the library. I mean, it would. I will, yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's she's um she's, she's from what? New Zealand. Yeah, she's but brown from like... New Zealand. Huh? I think she's like of Indian descent. I think I'm not sure, um, but I will figure it out and I will find a book or two okay. that fit that. We should. We well. should. We should. Fine. We should read something together. Yes, we should. We we. I say that like that. you hear her telling you, yeah, we should. She's not gonna, <laughs> guys. She, I sent her over a bunch of um historical, not historical, a bunch of fantasy, black fantasy books for us to read, and she didn't pick any. So, well, I also only read like faking it for like the last episode, and I started reading that before you sent me the list, so I haven't read anything really since then. If we're Whatever. honest, so I've just been. I kind of want to read Witches Steep in Goal because okay, we can read that. it's. Well, I want to read it because it is a Jamaican fantasy, but I oh. also don't know how good it might actually be. Because one of my friends who is Jamaican 
you know, she's just like, oh, wow. You know, I, I feel like I, I worry that I might be more critical of it because I am, we are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Have you ever read anything from Nalo um, Hopkinson? No. Who is that? She's like a Jamaican Canadian author. Um, and her stuff is like, deals with a lot of, um, like diaspora sort of, sort of themes. Oh, I mean, I I probably have read something by her. Yeah. She actually, one of her books got, um, it got adapted into like a, like a film. It was like, you know, medium budget Toronto film. Um, I did Mm -hmm. go to see it and it was really good. Like it was cute um but I actually got into her before that like I have her book Sister Mine and I can't remember the other one but um like they're really I know they speak to me so I really do enjoy them um but yeah we will look for something together and hopefully something that both of our libraries she's have. not gonna and then guys, we mark listen to this <laughs> mark our words I'm telling you what's gonna happen I'm telling you I'm telling you she's gonna be like yeah, we're going to do that. And then nothing happened. But anyways. Yeah. I'm going to be better. I promise. <laughs> Nalini's thing is, she is of um, Indian descent. She's Indo-Philippine um, Fijian. Fijian. Okay. Okay. So that will work. So. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um. So... <laughs> it's uh yeah (laughs) sorry guys we have had a um interesting time recording it has been a disaster from start to finish nikki's gonna have very very much fun um editing this (laughs) this is this is basically why we have no topics because we've been at this for like three hours almost yeah uh it's been probably longer actually yeah yeah and it's been so we are gonna end it here uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's really late, and we both have to work tomorrow. Sorry, but we—I think we were might have something special coming up, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll Any, see you guys. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we are Soju Chronicles once again. I am Nat, and I'm Nikki. And thank you for spending this time with us. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach us at sojuchronicles at gmail.com or on Twitter. Uh, you know, try to be active more on, on Twitter at Soju Chronicles. You can also find me on Nyan Edizens, which is Not Your Average Edizens, which is the K-pop podcast that I am a part of. Uh, I do frequent that a little bit more often. So you can also like reach out to me or us there you can find nikki at i can never remember your handle i'm sorry ioni one melanin which is you know any with melanin um or unbutteredunnies.com you can always also email us at unbutteredunnies at outlook.com and uh if you guys have like any books tv shows Mangas, animes, stuff that you want us to read, watch, talk about, let us know. We'll do it. We might yeah. trash it. Well, not might love it. I might trash it. But it's what we're here for. To entertain you. <laughs> yes. So uh, we are 
once again, we're Soldier Chronicles. And yeah, we will see Have you fun. next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.